Welcome to the Hook and Hunt Experience with hunting and fishing expert and host of Hook and Hunt TV, Jim Crowley, and radio host and outdoorsman, Drew Kirby. On today's show, we'll cover fishing, hunting, outdoor adventures, wild game recipes, and so much more. Brought to you by Ned's Pretty Good Garage Bait and Tackle, home of the $8.99 oil change. If you have questions, comments, or want to offer up some suggestions, reach out on Facebook at Hook and Hunt Experience. And now, here's Jim Crowley and your host, Drew Kirby. Back in the saddle is Drew, along with Jim Crowley. Uh, Jim, it's been a rough couple of months. COVID-19 has flamed back up uh, and also has an old football injury of yours. <laughs> I was trying to make you seem a little more manly than you were. <laughs> oh, no, it was not a football injury. It's just I part of me, my, my, the warranty gave out. That's what the heck it was. I got a new part, and that's not what you're thinking it is. And no, they already knew what part they were supposed to take out. Uh, it, it's it's funny. It's not really funny, but, you know, as long as I've known Jim, he's been like zoom, 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 around and around. You're going here, you're going there. And for the last couple of uh, weeks, you have been laid up as laid up can be. Yeah, it's just a, I had a total hip replacement on my left side, and I'm lefty. Everything on my left side has been operated on, my shoulder, my elbow. I think the knee is next, but I, for whatever reason, the warranty on this side is completely given out. So, But the, the doctor did an absolutely amazing job, and, and folks, I'm here to tell you, I've, I've, I've only had, I've had a couple surgeries in my life, and, and they blame it on just because I'm a really active person. And, you know, my body doesn't know it's 50-plus years old anymore, you know? It's just, I, or my brain does it, my body does. They have basically just said that your part wore out. And it the, what I liked about the doctor is he said this. He goes, you know, if you, here's, there was no BS with him, man. He got right to the point. Here's what it is. Here's what we're going to do when we're done. If you do this, it's going to work great. And I'm always been the guy who believed hundred percent. If you listen to doctors, what they tell you, everything happens out for better for the best. And he was right. You know, I was supposed to be to physical therapy for a month. I was out in two weeks. Oh, wow. And yeah. And so I do the exercises every day at home. I got to check back in in another month, but I don't have the pain that I used to have anymore. Everything's healing up good. I'm walking around great. I was only on a walker for three days. You know, it's incredible how God makes our body and then the people that are talented enough to put us back together when we fall apart. And I'm very thankful for them. The fact that you're a, a healthy guy, you know, you're not you're yeah. not in, in bad shape in any other way. Uh, no. You were able to focus on keeping your hip exactly how it needs to be to get back into tip-top shape. What's this doing to your fishing season now? I know you've, you've been down a, a couple of weeks, but are you out? No, I'm not out. I mean, right before we scheduled everything so we could get the whole season of Hook and Hunt TV filmed. We had that done, and I basically got back on a Friday, and that following Tuesday is when I had the surgery. So it's been three weeks since the surgery. Uh, tomorrow I'm actually going out and filming a little kayak show. You know, I can get up and down good enough and hasn't affected my hook setting skills whatsoever. So right. everything should be fine. You know, we planned it out that way. And we're going to, after this, we're going to turn everything over to um, shooting and hunting anyway. And I went out uh, last weekend and shot one of the best scores I've shot all year and just took my time getting around the course and, and everything worked out, you know, really, really good. So, you know, down for a little bit, but I'm definitely never out. We had talked not too long ago about when you start gearing up to start shooting at those birds. Uh, September 1st has been here and gone, and that means right. dove season 
all over the country is in. When when you started to shoot a little bit, do you feel like you're to the point where you can go out and blast some some doves or some ducks? Yeah, if I, I was because you know I I shoot a lot of sporting clays, so um, you're getting you're getting different targets that come at you from different angles all the time. It's not the same angle, not the same t- coming from the same place all the time. So where the difference between the game of sporting clays or the game of skeet or the game of trap or whatever discipline and shooting you have. And then when you have either dove hunting or pheasant hunting or waterfowl hunting, in most cases, those are reactive. The birds themselves, that that's the reactive part of the sport. The other three you can somewhat plan. You you know where the targets are coming from. You you position in your mind where you're going to inject the shotgun and where you're going to shoot the lead of the target, whatever it may be. What this does, I think, is it just hones your skills as far as the basics. Is being the basics being move, mount, shoot, move the gun to the target, mount the gun, and then shoot the target. Because by the time duck and dove or whatever season upland pheasant hunting that I'm doing. You're not thinking about it anymore. Bird comes up, your subconscious takes over, and you shoot. So what what I think the the shooting sports really discipline me with is at least giving mental discipline. My body already knows what to do. Now when it comes to the hunt, I should be more than ready. There's, in other words, what I'm telling you is I'm running out of excuses when I miss a bird. It's exactly <laughs> what's happened. But you're you're human, and it's it's you know it's okay to miss. Oh, it happens. Oh, and oh, it, good God, yes, it does. It and no matter when it happens, it always goes down to basics. You know, it always goes down to basics. I waited too long. I rode the target. I shot at the wrong side. What, what, whatever it happens to be, it's always a mistake that I've done, you know, a hundred other times. Other than doing a little uh, sport shooting, sport clay shooting, and basically just staring at your gun thinking, get here, please get here. I need to do this. <laughs> what else are you doing to prepare for, for the bird season? One of the things that I did is we we were trying to figure out where we were going to go this year and in, in film shows, you know, and one of them was definitely we laid out that we're going to Green Bay. Uh, I, I haven't hunted Green Bay in several years, and I really, really like it. I think there's a group of about eight of us um, who are going to go together, do it. We're going to also meet some sponsors from Hook and Hunt TV there and have a get up there a day or two before and, and have a meeting. But um I plan now I'm planning on on when are going to be the best times when we're going to go. So first couple of weeks of October, we're probably going to be the first week, second week. We're probably going to be in Green Bay. Um, then we'll probably concentrate somewhere on the Mississippi River, depending what the guys want to do. Because as you know, I hunt with a team of, you know, three or four other guys. And so we we now that a lot of us, this is what we do. We're, we're retired. We don't just go and hunt just like I just don't go and fish anymore. We literally plan it out by the lunar calendars, how the weather looks the best. And we pick our days, you know, and we've become a lot more productive in the last couple of years because we've been able, I, I understand a lot of people don't have that luxury, but what, what we're doing is we really try to pick our days. So we know what to expect. We plan ahead of time. It's just like planning any hunting trip or any fishing trip. It's all about planning. And now we just add that, you know, I've always said the best time to go fishing is anytime you can. Same thing um, with hunting. But when you can plan those days on top of that, a lot of times you really put the odds in your favor to be more successful. And we've talked about that a lot to be prepared for whatever your outing is. And you guys right. really are. I mean, you're going to the the, the lunar calendar and, and right. just getting it straight up. Yeah, we're just seeing what for the areas that we're in, you know, where where the opportunities are going to be the best for us. You know, and it 
whenever it comes to hunting or fishing, a lot of it's usually about weather changes. Okay. So for, for waterfowl hunting, I want it when there might be a snow front, you know, snowstorm coming in where I can hunt safely or, you know, where it might be a rainy day or it's going to be a little bit more cloudy day or it's going to change any change in that weather. And I see that that can trigger those birds to fly it getting really, really cold can trigger those birds to fly um, with fishing. For example, um, later in the summer, like when we were on Pelican Lake, this last trip minnesota it was beneficial for us that three days in a row the wind was blowing the same direction it really pushed those active fish to in one area to really feed consistently on one side of the lake and when we put it together anybody who watches we, we had to do a two-part show on it there were so many fish that we caught once we put it together the weather pattern really helped us take advantage of wh what those fish were feeding on and how they were doing it people always think it's a joke when it comes down to the conditions, like a windy day. That, that's one of those things in, in fishing where, you know, and I still try to get rid of that misnomer every year where people go, well, it's, it's a really windy day. I really don't want to do it. Well, in the spring, if it's a really cold wind and it's blowing into the area you are, then I don't want to be in that area because a cold wind drops that water temperature even more. In the spring, I'm looking for warmer, for, for warming trends. I want that water to warm up. So if I can find areas where a warmer wind, where maybe a south wind is blowing into those areas, that's going to help warm up that water temperature. The, the conditions we were faced with when we were in Minnesota, we had winds blowing into the South Bay for three days after, you know, the summer being relatively hot. It was cooling down the water a little bit and these fish were staging. And we found this later on because we, we ended up catching fish all three days off these boat docks. And there's probably 70, 80 boat docks in a lake. And we caught fish darn near off every single one of them. The, they would stage in these weed beds about 100 yards offshore. Well, when that wind would start blowing early in the afternoon is when we really started hitting them. So there's a couple docks we picked four and five fish off one dock. It was crazy. But let's just break it down to the simplest thing. The wind was blowing more oxygen into those areas. There was plankton being blown in. The smaller bait fish or the crawdads, which we found, which they were really feeding on, were feeding on the smaller bait fish or the smaller plankton was blowing into those areas. So bass don't think. They simply react. So what did they do? They moved out of that deeper water and staged on those docks in about three or four foot of water. And you could tell because there were a lot of three, four, five, five and a half pound fish that, that we caught. And that's just not a fluke. That tells me they're there for a reason. And that reason is always food. Did a lot of your technology help you figure out the situation? It did. And actually, on the next boat that I'm getting, we're actually going to do a little bit more into using some more of that. What we were able to find is a lot easier to find the weed beds um, with some of the down imaging. And we could see really, really good about what was down there and what we were fishing. And we could see where the weed bed was, was laid out. And that was easier to do with once we have sign imaging or 360, whatever I'm going to do, I'll actually be able to see fish on docks. And that's what we'll be doing next year. Or if we're fishing a big flat, I'll be able to scan out in that open flat and actually see where fish are holding on that flat instead of just blind casting all over the place. So every every single day, I would say the technology gets better than the last time we talked. It's it's absolutely insane right now. Uh, speaking of insane, you went on that little jaunt to Minnesota. You caught, you said, 50 bass at one point. We figured we probably caught well over 150 bass in the three or four days we were there. Wow. It was It was pretty nuts. And a lot of those were over three pounds. And the video is there to prove it. That's why we did two shows. You'll see a lot of two and a half to five and a half, almost six pounds. My cameraman had one almost six pounds. And I lost two well over five and I uh, had a bunch of four pounders. Yeah, it was, it was nuts. And you put your boat up for sale and it's gone now. 
<laughs> so my boat's been for sale for like three months, right? So it's been for sale for like three months. I'm in Minnesota and I get a call on the phone. This guy says, this is Jim Crowley. I said, yes, it is. He goes, hey, you got a boat for sale. And I said, yeah. He goes, can I come see it tonight? <laughs> I, oh. I said, uh, it's going to be a hell of a commute for you, buddy. But if you want to come to Minnesota, you know that, that's where I'm at. And he's like, well, when will you be home? So I said, Friday. He goes, well, I, I can come Sunday. You can come Sunday. And I said, yeah. He goes, well, I'll be there at 11 o'clock. Okay. He calls me Sunday at 10 o'clock. He says, I'm on the way. That's usually a pretty good sign. Yeah. He was wanting that bad boy. He he had seen it on enough shows and seen enough of the overhead views and, and enough of the boat. So he got there. He went through it, you know, with a fine tooth comb, which is what you're supposed to do. Um, we He said, will you take this? I said, absolutely. He got right where I wanted to get on the price. He goes, well, I should have the check to you by tomorrow. I said, okay. I backed it in. Uh, I backed it in the garage and I'm thinking, okay, well, it's still not a done deal, right? So you got, so he goes, I'll be here at six o'clock tomorrow night. He calls me at four 30 the next day. I'm on the way. <laughs> so, so he hands me the check and I, I give him and, uh, and the Miracraft's got a brand new home and, and, uh, next spring we'll have a brand new Miracraft, which I, I love working with the company. They're just a great bunch of folks. They're a lot of fun. They make a fantastic fishing machine and, and, uh, we're really going to have a very, very cool, cool boat for a big open water next year. So we're excited. So that really worked out in, in a great way with, you know, you go in the whole fishing season, not losing the boat earlier. And then all yeah. of a sudden you're wrapping up the season as far as being out there. And it's like, okay, bye. It was just, it was just really funny because, you know, you, you fret about these things. And, and my wife always says, you know, God works in mysterious ways. Why don't you just wait and see what happens? Okay. So I'm about as patient as nothing. So I'm not, I'm not patient. Yeah. And so, and all of a sudden this falls into place and she is just smiling as you, I told you, I told <laughs> you. And I, yeah, you did. Yeah. You know, yeah, you did. So it, it worked out good. I think it went to a, a great guy, a great family. His kids were all excited. And so they always say it takes a right buyer. And when somebody's that excited and I was really proud to sell this boat because I keep my stuff in absolutely impeccable shape um, that he was uh he was really happy. The family was happy. And I've already seen pictures out there of them enjoying it. And that's, you know, it worked out good for everybody involved. Well, you've got a new boat coming and uh, can we talk about that boat a little bit? Sure, sure. Let's talk about that in the product of the week in just a minute. In the outdoor world, there's always something new. And here's a hook and hunt experience product review presented by Crowley's Crawlers, the plastic worms that make sure you're hauling in the limit every time. Well, we were just chatting about this. Uh, Jim has sold his boat that he's had and put lots of fish into that boat and <laughs> yeah. uh, had many good times and has sold it on to someone else. But when the springtime comes, you got to have another boat and you got another mirror craft on the way. Yeah, we're, we're what we're looking at right now is we, we started fishing a lot bigger water this year than, than we have in the past. And uh, you know, started branching out to other things. We, I love traveling. And so, um, you know, we have a really good following in a show in Wisconsin. I love Minnesota fishing wise. And so we're fishing bigger water. And, and the boat I had before the Miracraft 1661, aggressor 1661 is what it was. It's about a 16 and a half foot boat, a little closer to 17 foot, beautiful boat, handles rough water well. But when you get on places like Green Bay or Sturgeon Bay, where the water gets really big. A lot of the lakes that we were going to were, you know, 15, 10, 15,000 acres plus. And that wind kicks up 
you, you're you're smarter just to have a bigger boat in most cases. And so the boat I'm looking at right now is a 1771, which is um, about 17 and a half foot long, but it's wider. The, the boat I had before was 86 inches. This is 94. Um, beautiful front deck with a lot more storage and a carpeted decks front and back. And then the floor is vinyl, which is nice because if you get it dirty, you can just hose it off. Oh, it's fantastic yeah. that way. And go with a bigger engine. I, I, we may go with a Mercury this time. I'm not sure. I'm not sure exactly about that. But I wanted to showcase a boat has got so much storage in it and such a great live well system. I've always said Miracraft is probably the best multi-species boat that I've ever seen. So you can easily bass fish off it. But a 1771 would make a musky fisherman drool. It's absolutely a fantastic mus musky boat. Actually, it has a 50-inch live well in it that they use for a release to revive the fish. And then, and then you can let the fish back in the water easier. So, and since a lot of our target audience is that Northern Illinois, Wisconsin, like that, there's a lot of musky fishermen there. And so I thought it'd be great to show a boat like that, where you could go and catch largemouth, smallmouth, Northern pike, also muskies, walleyes in it, everything. We're just going to show the next size model uh, in it because it's, it's an incredible boat, one of their best sellers. And I can't wait to drive the thing because in big water like that with a wide boat like that, that's definitely going to be, well, not only smart, it's going to be extremely comfortable. And that's one of the things Miracraft is known for is an ex they had the only one piece hull in the aluminum industry that they're it. And, um, it's, 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 it's an incredible machine. And, and I can't wait if that's the one that we decide upon, I can't wait. Cause I, I really think that is probably going to be what I've been looking for for a very, very long time. So I am excited about it. If someone was thinking about getting a, a new boat for the spring, where should they go to check out Miracraft? They, they can just go to, it's M I R R O C R A F T. So just go to Miracraft.com. I will tell you this, if you're looking, I would start looking now and here's why. Is because almost every boat company out there has a shortage right now. With all the craziness that's going on, people have actually reconnected with fishing. There's been more fishing licenses sold in the last year than there has been in a long, long time. Boat companies are having one of the best years they ever had. People are starting to reconnect as a family again because of all the stuff they've had to do together again. And one of the things to get away from the stupid craziness, a mask and all the other restrictions is to get out on a fishing boat. Nobody within six and, feet there. Yeah. No, you know, <laughs> unless it's a family member or a friend or, or whatever, you know, term they want to call it, whatever. That is a great way to do it. And no matter where we went this year, um, we saw a lot of people and it's the most crowded. The locals have said they've seen the lakes in a long time. And a lot of it was general population around by them. Yeah, some was from out of state, but a lot more people are taking advantage of the fantastic outdoors and realizing, hey, this is fun. Hunting licenses, hunting is the same thing this year. They're seeing that as well as people just want to get out. We're, we're social people. When, when you try to confine us for too long, we're going to get out and find something that we really love to do. And the outdoors is it. Especially when you think about, you go buy a rod, you go buy a reel, you buy some lures, and you don't even have to go into a boat and you're spending 150 bucks and you're out day after day after day after day just yeah. enjoying it. 150 bucks would be, especially on the on the kids part of it, they can spend a heck of a lot less than that. I, I, I was telling some kids that I was helping, you know, we talked a while back about some kids I was helping, you know, learn to cast and everything. And I told them, get on eBay, man. Go on some of the places where people are selling used rods or stuff like that. You can get a hell, sometimes you can get a $100 rod for 30 bucks if the guys aren't using it. Right. You know, go out, start looking around, learn to be a bargain hunter, man. You're, you're adding, when I first got a bunch of decoys, I didn't buy all new decoys. I went out and found guys who were willing to sell their old ones 
endure things like that and get my stockpile. Now I got so many for crying out loud, I could start my own city of decoys. I, just, <laughs> I don't need that many, you know? So if anybody's looking and wanting some decoys, let me know. Um, <laughs> That's but Jim you, you at hookandhunttv.com. Yeah, no kidding. You can, I, oh my, I, I think I still, I sold off seven dozen decoys, I think. And I still have eight or nine wow. different and dozens of, it's just, it's not here's it's the, stupid. The best part is Jim didn't even start duck hunting until what, 25, 30 years ago. I, I not even that I started when I was 37, I'm 53. Oh, yeah. So yeah, not even 20 years ago. And, uh, Oh God, it was, it, my garage got ugly with every kind of conceivable freaking decoy you had out there, you know, and <laughs> now just my stuff is, I know what I use. You know, you get like that in life. As you get older, you go, I know what I use. I'm just going to get more of that, or I'm going to try to buy it once. So I don't have to keep buying it. Right. You know, and then all the other stuff sits by the wayside and you hope that, you know, a young individual comes by and goes, Oh man, I'm getting started. I like, Oh really? Have I got a deal for you? I'll pay you to get the stuff out of here. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about uh, your decoys in the future here as one of our products. And then we'll, we'll hawk your decoys. <laughs> we can, this is, this has worked out great. Yeah, this, this is the Drew and Jim swap meet all of a sudden. That, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Here at the hook and hunt experience. We love to eat. Now let's get that mouth watering with it's great on your plate with your host, Matt Cheever from Heartland Outdoors magazine. Hey guys, great to be back with you again. Uh, I want to share a recipe with you. This is probably one of my absolute favorite game recipes. Oftentimes I'll end up trading game wheat with guys. I'll give uh, I'll give maybe a deer roast. Somebody will give me a bear roast. I end up with some elk meat. Uh, oftentimes I'll get a moose from my buddies in Maine. Any type of meat uh, with bear, you have to make sure it's extremely well done. Uh, but with any of the other game meats, this works really well. Any kind of meat, shoulder, rump roast, anything neck roast, you're going to cut it into a thin strip and just pulverize it with a with a hammer. Work it out really nice and thin, quarter inch thick. And most and right now being great time to be up on lake michigan jim i know you just had a, a killer weekend a few weeks ago and limited out take some of those salmon fillets and do the same thing to those cut them real thin like you would for sushi thin layer of salmon with a little bit of uh, old bay seasoning and take your venison or whatever type of game meat you have in the same thin strip lay the game meat down first then the salmon put a dollop of frozen cream cheese with bacon and chives in the middle. You'll make that up ahead of time, put it in the fridge or the freezer. You want it to be fairly solid. Wrap that up into a roll with a toothpick and just put your favorite Lowry's on it. Maybe uh, sprinkle a little bit of white wine over the top of it or a little bit of beer to keep it moist. Put that in the fridge overnight. Set those on the smoker. I promise you that will be the very best thing you've ever had on your smoker. You get a nice surf and turf taste. The red meat doesn't overpower the salmon. The salmon's not too fishy. You get a little bit of the bacon and chive in there without totally tasting bacon. It will be the finest thing you ever put in your mouth with wild game. I promise you that. Here's your hook and hunt experience look back with Moxie Dog Treats Outdoor History Minute. You know, he's got some great recipes. Boy, I'll tell you what, sounds pretty yeah, good. I, I know. I'm, I take a second there and stop drooling it's ugly <laughs> yeah. well jim uh it's after Sep september 1st and that means that uh dove season is in full swing most yes. parts of the country 
Uh, and, you know, it, that really kicks off the upland bird seasons, right? Because once Dove is in play, then everything else starts trickling in. So, yeah, stuff starts coming in and, you know, around October, end of October, things like that. So, um, yeah, but Dove is always a fun way to start the year when the weather cooperates, that's for sure. So when you're Dove hunting, you may go out by yourself sometimes, maybe have a dog mm-hmm. go. But yep. a lot of times it's, uh, it's, it's a social sport. sport. Where you yeah. and, and some buddies will go out and, you know, you'll have good conversation and right. try to get you some doves. And uh, I'm going to break up a story real quick uh, from February of 2006. Not sure Jeez. if you remember this this story. I don't remember yesterday. Go but uh, that's the day that uh, former Vice President Dick Cheney shot, I remember that one. shot Harry Whittington, the 78-year-old Texas attorney, uh, while participating in a quail hunt, not quite uh, dove hunting, but it's yeah. the same concept. Yeah. Uh, and they were both, uh, they both called it an, an incident, but here's the situation. You're out socially with a bunch of friends. You're talking. Maybe you get caught up in the conversation. Someone pulls up and shoots and everybody's not out of the way. How's the best way to handle group hunting? The first best way to do that is know who you're hunting with. And when you're quail hunting or when you're pheasant hunting, you are supposed to hunt in a straight line. I actually had an incident that was the closest incident I ever came to getting shot. And uh, I staggered behind a little bit. I was walking behind the line and this guys that I hadn't hunted with before. And I didn't know that the father and son, the fun, father had hunted plenty, but the son didn't. Basically what I was doing, I was letting them have first shot at the bird. Okay, so the dog was going on point. I wasn't paying attention to which way the wind was blowing because if I was, I would have not stood where I was. And the kid turned around. If I was in a straight line, he might not have done it since I was a little laggard back. He missed me by about 10 yards. His dad basically took the firearm from him and the kid was done for the day. It was also in my book, it was also partially my fault because I was not standing in a straight line. I myself don't like to hunt more than with a couple guys, one on my right, one on my left. That's just where I feel the most comfortable with. And we always walk a straight line. But I've hunted with these guys before. And we also, whenever a bird comes up on a dog, the first thing we just do instinctively is which way is the wind blowing. So if it's blowing where I'm going to be shooting to my left, the guy to the left there just instinctively gets closer to me, maybe gets down a little bit. But I never swing past that guy. If the bird goes out of my zone, then that guy is the guy who gets a bird. Same thing to my right. You have your shooting zones. If you don't think you can take the shot, you don't take the shot. With older guys, that happens a lot. When you're first time pheasant hunting, the first time we've taken people, we've actually been behind the young person and go, okay, look to your right, look to your left. Because they get excited with the bird. But what I always tell them is, once you pull that trigger, you can't take the shot back. Realize what's beyond where your shooting area is. Do you know what's in your shooting area? If you don't feel comfortable, the bird comes up, don't shoot. That's Big a, deal. a very good point, too, is know your surroundings. Not only know who right. you're with, but know your surroundings. That is what is taught a lot in your shooting classes. It's not just, hey, give somebody a gun, give them a box of shells, and go out and kill a bunch of birds. It don't work like that. Uh, I I was actually talking with someone the other day, and they said, well, why do you need orange when you're hunting birds? They they It doesn't matter to there. The reason you're wearing bright colors like orange is to be seen. Right. Exactly. And that's why you have um, orange on your head and you have the upper three quarters of your body orange. 
It is to be seen. You know, and now some states have done that bright pink, which I think is a great idea. It it stands out. It catches your attention. And that's exactly what you need to do. The, the brighter colors you can wear, but orange and pink now is mandatory in some places. To me, I'm all for that. In, in any kind of outdoor sporting that you do, safety is, is number one. HuckingOnTV.com has been educating and entertaining the world of hunting and fishing for years. Let's find out about the latest from Hook and Hunt TV's Jim Crowley on the Hook and Hunt Experience. You know, Jim, we've been talking about, well, you were laid up just a little bit with hip surgery. Uh, Mm -hmm. You got your shows in the can for the fishing season, uh, but now you kind of move on to getting ready for for duck season and hunting season. But HookingOnTV.com continues on. Yeah, we right. We just released the the first episode from. It's a two part series actually from Pelican Lake in, in Minnesota. So it's called uh, basically Boat Dock Bass Part One and Boat Dock Bass Part Two. Um, and so we we go into quite a lot of detail about what we were doing. You see a lot of underwater shots, a lot of talk about technique and lures and everything. We get quite elaborate on both these episodes, especially the second one um, that you'll see coming up and. You can find us on Roku. If you go to Pride Outdoor uh, Network, you can find us on Roku. That's the easiest way to find us. And pretty soon, pretty soon, we're going to have our own channel on Roku. So you're just going to be able to go look at Hook and Hunt TV and on Roku, and you will be able to find us. So you'll be able to keep up to date with us. You can keep up to date with us now on Facebook as, as well. That's probably the easiest way is just go like Hook and Hunt TV on Facebook. And like I said, and the Pride Outdoor Network. But anyway, so we'll do that. And then we're going to do an interesting thing this year since I think seminars are still going to be down for a little bit. Um, but we're not really sure yet as uh, new information comes out. But we're going to be doing a lot more um, interactive social media, Facebook lives, as far as seminars and being able to interact with our audience that worked really good this past season with us. And so we may do follow-ups after some hunting episodes. We're going to do follow-up. We're going to do a follow-up Facebook live after these two shows from Pelican Lake and really get into detail about rods, lures, and have people ask questions and everything go like that. You're going to see a lot more interactive stuff with us as we continue to grow bigger and bigger in 2021. And so we're already planning for that. Um, we're planning for some really cool hunts with more guys this year where we're, we're going to have some old timers come in on one of the shows and talk about some really cool stuff and get more of the heritage um, and them living throughout some great hunting years and, and see now why it's good too, just in a different way. Let me ask you very quickly, how many seminars do you usually do a year? The last two years was 50 a season. I did the most I did was 55. That was 18 different cities and four states. How many did you do this year? 50, 53. And that was basically between January and March. Now, remember with the All Canada shows, sometimes I'll do three a day right. to completely di- completely different audiences. There's three or four weeks there where I'm slammed. At least right now, how we're thinking, how 2021 is going to start. Not Definitely not how it's going to finish up. But we're still, we're, we're holding off till October a little bit to make some decisions because things are rapidly changing. You know, we'll see what happens. People, people want the shows again. So we're just going to have to see what happens. And that just goes to show, uh, you know, how knowledgeable Jim is about this. So if you really do have any questions about anything that you saw on a hook and hunt TV show, or you hear on this show, reach out to Jim. You can go to our Facebook page, which is hook and hunt experience. You can go to Jim's uh, hook and TV.com and get in touch with him, and he'll answer and uh, and help you out if you need help along the way. So go check it out, hookingontv.com. 
Here's the latest hook and hunt experience, hunting and fishing scouting report. Brought to you by the Tackle Box Bar and Grill, where the stories are as big as the fish baskets and beer. The Tackle Box Bar and Grill, downtown Fish Creek, Wisconsin. You know, you talked about the fact that uh, you know your show season of fishing is behind you, but that doesn't mean that all fishing is over. As a matter of fact, you talked about this earlier too. The best time to go fishing is anytime. When you can. And, and um, we were actually thinking the other day it got really cool for a change the other day. And, and I looked at my wife and I said, man, if, if we had a boat here today, <laughs> I said, I'd be taking you out because I want to go really bad. Right now, what's happening is you're going to start seeing some cooling trends eventually. You know, even here in the Midwest, September, middle end of September, it starts cooling down. Well, usually around the end of summer on the reservoirs and, you know, where you are, you've got a lot of reservoirs too. And the, these shadows start balling up. And that was always the first sign for me to know when I was tournament fishing that, Hey, you know, fall is going to come, you know, pretty quick when those, when those shads start balling up on the main lake, the next step they're going to do is they're going to start heading back in those creeks. When the nights start cooling down and those shads start moving back up those creeks is some of the best fishing of the year. It's exciting. I love it. You can fish top waters all day. You can fish shallow running crankbaits. You can fish spinner baits. You can fish bladed jigs. You can fish moving baits or horizontal baits all the time. Fish are going to start eventually here pretty soon um, relating more to the bait fish than they are to their cover options. They're going to start following those schools of bait. You know, and I want to point this out also is you keep saying fall and winter. Uh, The fish don't have a calendar. So just because it hits 21st or 22nd and it's fall, the temperatures and the weather needs to change to get the fall reactions from fish. Right, because fish are hot, at least freshwater fish are cold-blooded, so their body temperature is exactly the same as the water they swim around in. Do you think uh, a couple of fish that are swimming next to each other look at each other and say, hey, starting to get cool, we probably need to slow down a little bit? You know, it's not that outfit that's making your butt look big. I'm just telling you, winter must be coming. (laughs) The Hook and Hunt Experience wants you to live well from the live well. Here's your old buddy, Stinkbait Rivers. I want to tell you a little story today. Um, My buddy Frank, he's a kind of a novice hunter. He just messed up another hunt. At least that's what he was telling us when he came to visit the bait shop last week. He said that it happens to him more times than he could count. He'd spot a buck, take careful aim, and then miss. He'd sneak up close just to get busted and watch the deer run away into the woods. He'd even sneeze just as the buck came into range. He would fall asleep on the stand, waking up just in time to watch a big buck scamper away into the woods. So he came into the donut shop the other morning where me and some of the other boys were sitting around thinking about going down to Bass Pro Shops and getting us a new rifle. And he was just frustrated as all get out. He had the gall to complain to us, everything that happens to guys that don't hunt happens to me. (laughs) Well, Frank, uh, maybe you should quit hunting. Hey, chill, buddy Stinky. Until next time, remember... Look twice at railroad crossings. <laughs> you betcha. We can't leave you high and dry. Here are some words of wisdom in the last cast with Jim Crowley on the Hook and Hunt Experience. You know, with the fall season being here, and as Drew and I were talking about dove season, for those of you who have a young dog right now, dove season is one of the best ways to get your dog out in the field. Now, hopefully, some of you have been already taking your dogs out and exposing them to gunfire, maybe taking them to uh, the Clay's range. And that's what I did with 
both the dogs that, that I've had in the field is that I took them out to the range and just let them see me walking around while people you know, are shooting clay targets. And then I'll even take a little bit of time and step in the stand and have the dog sit next to me while I'm shooting some clay targets too. And not making any big reaction, not getting excited, just showing the dog that it's okay to do that. And then I work in the decoy retrieving thing with the shooting. It's the same well. You may mock, pointing the gun up in the air, taking a shot, um, and then throwing a decoy out and letting the dog retrieve it and showing them what a good time it is. Remember something, to dogs, all that retrieving is is a game. Remember, when you take the dog out and you want to train the dog, it is not about you. Do not worry about how many birds that you get, but do something where the dog realizes that the game has just stepped up a little bit and you, as the owner, as its master, are having a great time with them. The more fun they have, the more they can trust you, and the more you can trust them, the better retriever you're going to have. And a good time to start would be now. Thanks for stopping by the show. Head over to the Hook and Hunt Experience on Facebook and give us a like and find out more about this week's show. The Hook and Hunt Experience is brought to you by HookandHuntTV.com. Stop by and watch the latest episodes airing now. Moxie Dog Treats, your dog will love you. And brought to you by Crawley's Crawlers, the plastic worms that make sure you're hauling in the limit every time. And the Tackle Box Bar and Grill, where the stories are as big as the fish baskets and beer. Join us next week for the next episode of the Hook and Hunt Experience.